Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Psalms, where we'll be reading Psalm 84 together this morning, the entirety of the psalm. Psalm 84, all 12 verses. For the director of music, according to the Gittith, of the sons of Korah, a psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord, God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob, Selah. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord. Congregation of Second CRC, I'm guessing at some point or another, we all have been on some sort of trip, some sort of road trip where we've had to travel a ways in a car. Maybe it was a family vacation growing up where you got to go see extended family, perhaps, as you didn't get to maybe see them as often with being a distance away. Or maybe... It was going to an amusement park. I know growing up we got to go every now and again to Cedar Point with the youth group and what a wonderful time that was. It's still quite a bit of a trek to go there. But you get to go, you get to enjoy roller coasters, rides, eating fair food, whether that be corn dogs or elephant ears the size of your head. Maybe it was going to a national park where you got to enjoy God's beautiful creation where you got to go on hikes and enjoy beautiful vistas, beautiful landscapes, and the like, getting to enjoy our Lord's great and beautiful creation. While the journey can be fun as well, having various stops along the way to help kind of break up the trip a little bit, oftentimes it's not that part of the trip that's ultimately sought after. Rather, it's the destination. We look forward to the destination. We can see this clearly from the oft-heard forward question on many a road trip that parents grow tired of after the third, fourth, fifth, however many times it's been asked so far. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? That is exactly what we see going on here in our psalm this morning. Just like with a road trip, how the destination is ultimately desired, we see the psalmist potentially a pilgrim on their way to Jerusalem or even potentially a Levite in exile with David while Absalom reigned on a usurped throne, express their longing to be within the temple courts, 
to be in the presence of the Lord, or namely longing for the Lord himself. So our theme this morning is we are pilgrims in this world longing for the presence of the Lord. We are pilgrims in this world longing for the presence of the Lord. And so in light of this theme, we see the psalmist praise or speak a blessing over those who, one, worship in his presence, two, rely on his preserving strength, and all the while, three, trust in him, encouraging us to do so in our own pilgrim journeys with the Lord. With that in mind, let's turn to take a look at our first point together this morning, worship in his presence. We see the psalmist begins by speaking of their own longing for the Lord first. Psalm 84, it begins with the exuberant praise of the psalmist of the Lord's dwelling place, namely the temple. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Here we see the intense longing of the psalmist described in vivid and picturesque language. They state that their very soul, the core of their being, longs for the Lord, that both their heart and flesh cry out for God. This longing for the Lord of the psalmist here sounds reminiscent of the longing that's expressed at the beginning of Psalm 42 in verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Both psalmists express their deepest longing. In these opening verses of Psalm 84, we see the entirety of the psalmist being cry out and longing for the Lord their God, longing to be in his courts, longing to be in his presence. This longing is further amplified by the psalmist's statement concerning the birds of the air. As even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Lowly birds are able to dwell ever in the Lord's presence, while the psalmist is unable to do so. It's uncertain, as we said before, whether they're a pilgrim on their way to the Lord's temple to worship him, or a Levite in exile with David. But whatever the case may be, one thing is clear. They long to be ever in the Lord's presence. To worship him as we, as we see them speak a blessing over those who are able to do so in verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Even in this opening section, we see the psalmist is longing to be in the presence of the one who created them. The one who is Lord. The one who is most worthy of honor and praise to give that honor and praise that is due him in worship. One person puts this longing for the Lord into perspective when they say, he, being the psalmist, like us, has a God-shaped hole in his heart. He can be fulfilled only by the presence and worship of the Lord. As we see God's great love for us, for his people time and again throughout Scripture, we see that. We see the Lord, even after mankind's fallen to sin, dwell amidst his people, first in the tabernacle, and later on in the temple, his presence amidst his people. And then God did something amazing, something absolutely amazing. He came into our presence in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. We just celebrated that a week ago. Christ's birth, God come in the flesh. As John writes in the beginning of his gospel account in 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the Father 
full of grace and truth. We see God's presence, his love, his grace and mercy poured out on us in the precious and gracious gift of his son who came, lived the perfect life that we never could. Dying on the cruel cross in our place, conquering sin and death, rising again from the dead three days later. Maybe you're here this morning or tuning in online and you don't know the Lord. We all have that God-shaped hole in our hearts. And maybe you've been filling it with other things, things that don't ultimately satisfy. And yet the Lord holds out this free gift of his grace, this gift of eternal life through his son's precious blood shed on the cross for our sins. Receive that free gift of his grace. Believe in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin. Submit your life to him. Even as we take a look at our own lives and walks with the Lord, brothers and sisters, if we're honest with ourselves, at times our love for the Lord can grow cold. Over the course of this pilgrim journey called life, we're not exempt from the seasons of waning love for the Lord where the fire of our love for the Lord has gone all but cold in the hearths of our souls, leaving only cooling embers glistening and smoldering. At times, even as believers in Christ, we can seek to fill that God-shaped hole in our hearts with other things, things that are temporary, things that are fleeting, things that aren't lasting. Think back with me again to the example of a road trip. Along the way, we make stops to help break up the trip, stopping maybe at the world's largest ball of rubber band or twine or maybe a roadside gift shop that you've seen tons of signs for miles and miles in advance. But at times we can get distracted from the end goal, the destination of the trip. So too in life, we can get distracted by the temporary things of this world, turning the good things that the Lord has blessed us with into idols, which our hearts are only too good at, as John Calvin reminds us, calling our hearts idol factories, which can lead to a dwindling of the flame in our hearts for the Lord as we seek to fill that God-shaped hole in our hearts with other things. Not only that, but our longing to be in the Lord's presence in order to worship him can dwindle and grow cold as well. There probably are and will be times when we feel far from the Lord. Sundays where we don't want to get out of bed, where it will be difficult to. In those seasons of waning love and longing, brothers and sisters, I'm reminded of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question and answer one. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. It's a good question and answer to keep in mind. In those seasons, may we seek the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, asking that the Lord would rekindle our love for him throughout this pilgrim journey of life, fanning that smoldering hearth back into a roaring bonfire once again, fanning that longing for the Lord's presence back into flame, into renewed desire to worship him as he points us back time and again to his love expressed to us and its fullest in Christ's death and resurrection. Not only can distractions along this journey of life threaten our love, our longing for the Lord, but there are things in this life as well, difficulties, struggles, trials, and the like that can make our love for the Lord grow cold. Which is why we see the psalmist bless those in the next section who rely on the Lord's strength, subsequently encouraging us to do likewise in our own walks. Let's turn to take a look at this further in our second point of rely on his preserving strength. The psalmist now turns their attention to the journey that they're on. But rather than 
then conclude the section with a blessing like the other two. The psalmist rather begins this section with a blessing. Stating in verse 5, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Once again, we're encouraged through this word of blessing uttered by the psalmist to rely on the strength of the Lord rather than our own, as it is crucial to our pilgrim journey, just as much as it was for the psalmist's own journey to Jerusalem, to the temple, to the presence of the Lord. We see this throughout the rest of the next part of the section where the psalmist poetically describes the journey in verses 6 and 7. As they, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now we're not quite sure where the valley of Baca is or was. Some have tried to pinpoint its location to certain points in Israel's geography based on things like possibility of rain during certain times of the year when, to see if they would match up with any of the festivals where the Israelites would be required to travel to Jerusalem. Sometimes it's been understood as the Valley of Weeping in light of the valley's name, Baca. Ultimately, what must be kept in mind concerning these couple of verses is that we see the psalmist on the one hand describing the arduous journey, the difficulty of it, but on the other hand, and the blessing reminds listeners that they, as well as we today, don't go in their own strength, aren't to go in their own strength, but are rather to go in the strength of the Lord. The journey to Jerusalem would have been very difficult and arduous with its location in the mountains. While there are some points of descending, mostly throughout the journey through, one is going up, ascending which can cause quite a bit of strain on the body, especially the legs. Anyone who's gone on a hike can attest to how difficult it can be to trudge up an incline step after step. Think even to this past summer, Kayla and I had the privilege to go down to Tennessee to the Smoky Mountains with some family and got to enjoy some hikes while we were there. One of our earlier hikes was pretty much uphill the entire way. We were trying to make our way to a bluff that overlooked the section of forest that we would be hiking through. And it was pretty much an incline the whole way. The beautiful, by the, the view that we got when we reached the bluff was absolutely beautiful. Definitely worth it. But the trek there, it was difficult at times. It was difficult to take step after step up that gradual incline. Made the legs sore, and by the time we got back in the car, I was ready to sit down for the rest of the day. But there's also a mental toll when it comes to hiking, to a journey. As we neared the end of the hike, there was quite a few different bends that we ended up taking, and each new bend that we turned, I hoped would bring our destination into view. But as each one passed, that didn't bring it into view, that didn't bring our goal into view could be a bit discouraging. Tended to lose hope a little bit. Maybe even frustrated at certain points. Now imagine days worth of travel where you're traversing through the mountains, the physical and mental toll that would have settled over these pilgrims on their way to worship the Lord in Jerusalem. They probably would have been exhausted physically from the journey, maybe losing hope along the way with each new bend that didn't reveal their destination. And yet we also see the Lord provide strength the psalmist encourages fellow pilgrims and believers throughout every age to rely on it. 
Imagine the excitement, the thrill of these pilgrims after days and days of travel, finally laying eyes on the city of Jerusalem where they were headed, on the temple, the dwelling place of the Lord where they were headed to worship. The psalmist then closes the section by offering a prayer for the king of Israel. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. The original language here is the word Messiah. In the context, though, it's referring to the king of Israel, the Lord's anointed. We see David use this language of Saul, stating that he won't lift his hand against the Lord's anointed. Oftentimes with these festivals, a part of the celebration would have been offering a prayer for the king. And so we see the journey having come to a close, the pilgrims safe in the courts of the Lord, worshiping the Lord, offering a prayer for the king who is their shield and their protector. Even though the term Messiah in this verse refers to the king of Israel, as one person puts it, the Christian cannot help but think of Jesus Christ. Just as the psalmist drew comfort from David's company and was made sure of God's favor, so we look to the fellowship of Jesus Christ in whose company we walk as his disciples. We pray confidently in his name. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. We know that whatever our circumstances, we are not alone. We see that the Davidic king cannot come close to the true king. Also, just like the pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem, we don't walk alone, brothers and sisters. The Lord is with us through his, in, with, through his Holy Spirit indwelling us. At times, though, we may lose hope along the way. Even though we are redeemed by Christ's precious blood shed on the cross, we aren't home yet. We're still on our way. Augustine reminds us in the beginning of his confessions that God has made us for himself and that our hearts are restless until they rest in him. As we read in Hebrews 11 verse 10, for he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And likewise, just a few verses later in 15 through 16, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city for them. With each new year, with each new bend in the road of this journey of life, we can find ourselves asking that same forward question. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? With each new turn in the wrong direction that our culture, that the world around us takes, whether that be the degrading of human sexuality from what the Lord initially intended it back in creation or the ending of innocent lives in the womb, we may... We maybe can find ourselves losing hope in this pilgrim journey of life. And yet, first and foremost, brothers and sisters, let us keep our eyes fixed firmly on Jesus Christ, the author, fixing our eyes on him, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And secondly, with each new bend, with each wrong, world, wrong turn that the world around us takes, there's a positive side as it reinvigorates our longing for Christ's return. It helps us cultivate what one person calls heavenly-mindedness. Heavenly-mindedness. Keeping our eyes fixed ever on heaven. 
As we go throughout this pilgrim journey of life, brothers and sisters, may we keep our eyes, our gaze fixed firmly on the Lord, relying wholly on his preserving strength for this whole life through. With this in mind, we turn now to take a look at the final section of the psalm, the final blessing uttered by the psalmist in our third and final point, trust in him. The psalmist concludes this psalm of praise and longing in verse 12 with the final blessing, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you, encouraging fellow pilgrims and us once again to trust in the Lord. Just like with relying on the strength of the Lord, believers are called to trust in the Lord this whole journey of life through. But this is just one thing that the psalmist reflects on here. Prior to that, they reflect on the contrast of being in the Lord's presence of one whose walk is blameless to that of walking in wickedness. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Once again, the psalmist has high praise of being in the Lord's presence, even if it be in a lowly position. That they would rather serve as a doorkeeper or to stand at the threshold of the temple than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Here we see the contrast of Korah from the book of Numbers. Korah was a Levite who ministered in the tabernacle, but he and his followers opposed Moses, not being content with their position. And yet we see a descendant of Korah write this psalm. That they, we see that they would rather serve in, the, in a lowly position as a doorkeeper. Then the psalmist makes the bold and truthful claim that a day in the Lord's courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Not only that, but they also reflect on the Lord's protection as he is now described as a sun and shield. You see, the blessing that he pours out on those who walk in his light, whose walk is blameless, mentioned. Now, some might argue that the Lord does indeed withhold things. One person responds to this objection well when they write, Yes, the Lord withholds many things, but none that are ultimately for our good. Yes, the Lord withholds many things, but none that are ultimately for our good. This final blessing of those who trust in the Lord orients our minds one last time to our theme of how we are to long for the Lord, to long for his presence. There is no one else to trust in other than the one who will keep us firmly to the end. Not only is it in the Lord's strength we are to travel this journey of life in, but he is the one who will keep us secure to the end. Like we read in Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And likewise at the end of the book of Jude in verses 24 and 25, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there are a lot of things to trust in the Lord for throughout the course of our lives. Trust that he will keep us to the end of our journeys whenever that may be. That he will bring us into his presence when that time comes. Trust that he will provide what we need. Trust that he is by our sides through the mountains and the valleys of this life. And ultimately for our salvation through Christ's shed blood on the cross. As we go throughout this life, may we trust in the Lord, brothers and sisters. 
and the plentiful harvest, may we trust in him through the empowering work of his Holy Spirit. In the darkest night of the soul, may we trust in him. May the resounding cry of our hearts be our whole life through that we trust in him. As we go throughout this pilgrim journey of life, brothers and sisters, just like with road trips, we can find ourselves wondering, are we there yet? As around each new bend lies a new difficulty, a new trial, a new struggle. But Psalm 84 reminds us of the destination, the longing that believers are to have present in their hearts, the longing for the presence of the Lord. In our first point, worship in his presence, we're encouraged to long for the Lord's presence in order to worship him, giving him the praise that is due his name, seeking the rekindling work of the Holy Spirit when our fire for the Lord grows dim, when we lose sight of the destination. Likewise, in our second point, rely on his preserving strength. We are reminded and encouraged that even through this journey, even though this journey of life might be arduous and difficult, adding to the coldening effects upon our hearts, that we are to rely on the Lord's grace and strength this whole life through, that he will keep us to the end, as we saw in our third and final point, trust in him. While the people of Israel were looking and longing and expectation for the Messiah, we stand now between Christ's first and second coming. And that longing for the Lord's presence still holds true for us as pilgrims, as we long for that day when Christ shall return. The psalmist in verse 10 says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Think about it, brothers and sisters. If a day in the Lord's presence is better than a thousand elsewhere, how amazing is it that we will get to spend the rest of eternity in his presence, getting to worship our Lord, the one who created us, the one who redeemed us face to face. What an amazing day. What an amazing eternity that will be. Until that day, may the longing and cry of our hearts be, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Dear Lord God and Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you. We thank you for this time that we can come together, join together to worship you, to praise your name, to come to your word. Lord, we thank you for the words of Psalm 84, for the reminder of the destination that is ahead of us. Lord, help us to keep ever in our minds, in our sights, the destination, the longing for your presence, the longing to worship you. Help us to rely on your preserving strength this whole life through, to trust in you for everything, to trust that you will bring us safely home, in your timing, that you'll bring us safely to that haven of rest. Lord, we thank you that you hold on tightly to us. We are secure in your hands. Help us, encourage us, strengthen us, Lord. Help us to look and long in an expectation for the day when Christ will return. We love you and thank you and praise you for the gift of your son, Jesus. In your precious son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.